0: Are you doing what you think you should
1: be doing, but life still feels out of alignment? Have you ever had a gut feeling something was off, but you didn't speak up? And how does ignoring our instincts make us less safe, less powerful, and less happy? Today, author and business consultant Rick Snyder joins us to discuss how to tap into a hidden power that we all have, our intuition, our instincts, our gut. And we'll talk about how to do this without ruining everything we care about or sounding like some con artist at the state fair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fresh.
1: <laughs> the the Skype the Skype call ring is uh you you play that in the club and it just Man, they
2: can I hope they never redesign that one. That's a good one. That that'd be a heartbreaker.
1: I'm curious about the the girl when you when you call for the test Skype call. Like, what's her what's her story? Like, how did she get that gig? And
2: and, like, and what level of AI is she?
1: Oh, you don't even think she's real? <laughs> is, she, is she the she latest model? She gardens and she's you know she's cares for butterflies and then she just has this magical voice and they're like, look, you you are the voice of Skype.
2: And she's tracking all your emails.
1: She's tracking. <laughs> she's evil. <laughs> she's. Said it. she while she's gardening, she's sifting through billions of emails and then selling the data. Hi, Trip.
2: Would you like that uh trip to uh, Idaho?
1: Yeah. Such a sucker, right? <laughs> like an AI chick who you, you've already demonized, you've already dehumanized and demonized. I'm like, wow, <laughs> give her a fucking shot, man. Yeah, she's just, every girl's got to eat, you know. So, what if she's stealing data? So <laughs> Welcome to the new man. Talking to Rick Snyder today. He's the CEO of Invisible Edge, which is an international consulting company. He's also the author of Decisive Intuition: Use Your Gut Instincts to Make Smart Business Decisions. We're going to be talking about professional stuff, but also how this relates to our personal lives, relationships, and everything. So, Rick, thanks so much for talking today.
2: Trip, great to be here with you.
1: We go back a long time. We we have. We were in the Wild West of uh, San Francisco weirdo relationship. Inter- what were we learning back then? I'm trying to <laughs> put a well, I think we, it wrapper around I
2: think we actually started in the Wild West of
1: Colorado. Oh, in, that's right. You were there. You were in the Boulder scene. And yeah, then, I was uh,
2: actually on Ground Zero when you met your wife and that whole community over there. And we were in a similar men's group that just overlapped with each other.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's right. I forgot that part. You were in that group, I think... I don't think you were in the group when I was in the group. I, I,
2: I think they kicked me out, and then they got you in there.
1: They were like, "We got an upgrade. We got this guy. You got it. Exactly. This guy's going places. We got to exactly. we got to kick off some uh, some of this dead weight here." Exactly. <laughs> all right, so you were in that, and then we ended up linking up again out in San Francisco through that community out there where we were learning uh, the, the inner interpersonal relating stuff,
2: authentic relating, interpersonal skills, all that. Exactly.
1: Okay. And then and then we've gone our own ways, and now we're reconnecting. You know, to reunited, right? That's the through <laughs> the modern the modern uh, channels of Skype. <laughs> we're back at it. Okay, so you've got a book on intuition. The first thing that I thought when I when I think of intuition, I think of uh, a state fair, going to the state fair and getting your palm read.
2: Yeah, I usually think of Las. I, I think of like Las Vegas on the on the Strip, and there's that one booth, right?
1: There's the one booth. Yeah. You, when you're going to get married or does he love you or not or what so so when we think of in, in, intuition we tend to think of people that call themselves as intuitives is that right what's an intuitive how's that different from intuition what are we talking about
2: yeah that's a good question so yeah in, intuitives are usually people who are more well versed or have some kind of relationship with their intuition, and my. But here's the thing: I think all of us have a relationship with our intuition. We might, we just might not call it that. And so, what I'm trying to do in my work is actually demystify the whole thing. So it's great that we actually started here because so often it is this image of the oracle or the crystal ball or something like that.
1: Yeah, and when that when that shows up, my I just I I notice I get pretty close minded with the whole hocus pocus stuff.
2: Right. And there's a lot of charlatans out there and there's a lot of people playing that, you know, playing that up. Um, And yet, if you think about it, we've all had some gut feeling about something that went down in a relationship or in a business decision or a career move. And we knew we needed to go a certain direction. And chances are, a lot of times we didn't listen to that or we overrode it or we were overly influenced by someone else in the room that was Powerful, a powerful
1: voice. So it's it's more of an inner knowing, like, hey, I, I guess something's up here, something's off, and I'm not I'm not speaking up, or I'm not I'm not owning it, or I'm dismissing that part of myself. Why, why are we? Why are what? What are the reasons why we're dismissing this part of ourselves? It's like, hey, listen, there's something going on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's an inner knowing. And the classic definition is knowing something inherently without the need for conscious reasoning. So you just know it in your bones. You just get that download okay. instantly.
1: What are some examples? Let's just ground that a little bit. What are some examples of that knowing in our bones? Where does this show up? It's not necessarily about, oh, I know this is the lottery. These the, these, t- this, mm-hmm. these numbers are going to win the lottery. But what, where is this showing up where we just have a knowing?
2: Yeah. So, you know, here's a classic example. So I work a lot in the business space and I see this a lot in hiring and firing decisions. And so a lot of times, for example, um, you might have the perfect candidate who looks perfect on a piece of paper and their resume is spotless. They went to the best schools, but you just have this feeling in your gut like, huh, I just don't feel like they're a good fit for our, us or our team.
1: They're sociopaths.
2: Maybe they're they're a sociopath or they have a great editor for their resume, whatever it might be. But you just get that feeling like something's not adding up, right? And I've, I've talked to so many people. Almost everyone that I've met has some experience like this where it looks good in one way, but you're just getting this feeling. And it's not just the negative. It can also be, wow, I feel like I need to change my whole career path, and that doesn't make sense to my head because right. everything that I'm doing in my head seems like very practical and logical, and this is what my parents told me I should be doing. Right. But why am I hating my life, um, inheriting my father's business, doing his same company? But it's not at all what gives me passion and joy.
1: Right. Right. So there's the right? objective world. What what things look like on paper. I like how you describe that. You know, these are the things we can measure. And a lot of our and our stuff in our culture is about we justify everything with money. Is this going to make me money? Is this going to have me look better? Is this going to keep me safe? whereas where what feels right to me what feels in alignment with me and and this is at the core of a lot of stuff that I'm writing about which is where we betray ourselves and then we do the quote right thing but we're freaking miserable we're not happy we're not lit up we don't feel free we don't feel alive so um so we're dismissing this part of ourselves because we're prioritizing that part that quote makes sense is that right
2: 100% you know intuition is it's our deeper intelligence it's actually deeper than the conscious mind which is threatening to our mind. And so what does that mean? So what's great about today is uh, neurobiology is coming out with a lot of amazing research on intuition right now. And so one of the things out there um, is what we call the three brains. So literally, we have a whole neural, neural network in our gut. It's, mm-hmm. We actually have the size of a cat's brain in our gut. <laughs> <laughs> we, we really do. <laughs> How's that image? <laughs> and, then, and then we also, ha- it's the only organ that I can actually tell the head brain no. And and have its own directives. It's the only organ in our body that can do that. I
1: think I know of another organ. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, what are you thinking of? <laughs>
1: I'm trying, I'm going to be professional today, Rick. I, I want to prove to you that I can be. Wow. I can go an entire interview without making a dick joke. So I'm just I'm going oh. to stay on the. I'm st- I'm not going to make the dick joke.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I'm being professional. <laughs> well, just so
2: we all save you here, the the other brain besides our head brain and the gut brain is our heart brain, and so we also have forty to eighty thousand neurons in our heart. There's literally a heart intelligence that we have also, and so when we can start to tune into our whole body experience that we're getting data all the time. Right. That's the thing. When we're with people in your relationship, reading body language, um, how we sense you know, energies and emotions in the room or with other people, we're picking up on data all the time. But so often we, it's it's subconscious, yes. right? And so that's the whole key is how do we get out of our conscious mind and tap into our deeper intelligence where we're actually connecting the information faster and more integrated
1: as well. So the, the image I'm getting is that there's a lot of guys that are growing up and we're tending to prioritize the the brain that's within our skull. I see you smiling a little bit. Okay, so the the brain that's in the skull, and it and it tends to deny some of the other. We're always getting information, but we're denying it. And say, hey, that doesn't really make sense. I can't justify that. I can't explain that. I can't defend that. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go down that road because it's not going to make me money. I'm not, I'm not going to speak up in this meeting because it might. I, I can't. I can't justify why I've got this feeling about this new hire. Uh, I'm not going to speak up about my relationship because I can't really point to X, Y, Z and say, hey, here's the problem. So I don't speak up at all. And and, and so we're, we're cutting off all this other intelligence. And, and, and you're saying the science is backing it up that we just have other ways of interpreting information other than the, the, the thing that's in our in our skull.
2: 100%. You know, we we actually have neuroreceptors in almost every cell of our body. And so if you think about that, we're we're receiving information like an antenna all the time, but often we're just living above our neck. Yeah. Right? And so um, what happens is we're limiting our options, we're limiting our choices, we're limiting our ability to receive information and to make better decisions. Yeah. You know, and like you're saying a lot of it comes from our conditioning and you know what society tells us we should do or anything outside versus coming from an internal uh, sense of purpose, a sense of our own inner direction. And I mean, you and I both know this a lot, doing a lot of men's work in the past, where there's certain times in your life when you feel super aligned and on purpose. And there's other times where you feel, and I've had this where I feel completely lost Mm. and disconnected. And a lot of times it's when I'm overly listening to what I should be doing outside of me from others versus really what's
1: coming from inside. Right. I call that the inner authority, right? It's like I can take my authority from external scripts, what I should be doing, what everybody else thinks I should be doing, that external programming, or I can come from within and say, hey, what would serve me? What would strengthen me today? And learning to listen to that or integrate that into the conversation. I, I want to I speak about Jonathan Haidt because I recently had Jonathan Haidt on the show and he infamously wrote about the elephant and the rider in his book, The Hypo- Happiness Hypothesis. And he talks about how we are very intuitive and we are very emotional and we tend to m- make very emotional decisions and then justify them after the fact. We, we, we explain them through a rational lens after we do them, um how does that fit in with with what we're talking about here because essentially he's saying we're full of shit because a lot of our reasonings for stuff are are post hoc. It's after the fact. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, in fact um that is pretty accurate where we're getting, you know, emotional data right away. We're feeling what's happening and then it takes our mind to process the experience. Mm-hmm. But see that's where it often goes off track. Also is we how how we process the data we're getting depends on our conditioning. So, if you see the world a certain way, it's going to go through your filter that way. And so, that's where a lot of the work is to be done, in my opinion, is how do we clean up our lens and get our mental lens and our filter a little more in alignment with our deeper intelligence, our, our original uh, manufacturing, you know, our original server, if you will, kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. But that's that's not easy. That takes lots of work around coaching, uh, you know, doing in, inner inner work, having a, a good group of guys around you or friends that can help you see what you're not seeing about yourself. Um, any of those ways that help clean that up. But the other thing is, um, even though here's what gets interesting: um, um, intuition uses emotion to sense out what's happening, but emotion can also get in the way of intuition. So what I mean by that is, if I'm overly excited about a, something in my life. Chances are that's going to hijack my show. Right. And I'm not going to be coming from that deeper, clearer listening of what really needs to happen. Right. Even if it's not comfortable or if it's not sexy, if it's not wonderful. Um, same thing with fear. You know, if, if I'm getting a strong no about something, is that my intuition or am I just scared?
1: Yeah. Well, I think about anything that, you know, anything on our growth path means we're going to be stepping into uncertainty. We're going to step into discomfort. We're going to step into places where it's like, oh, this feels like a risk. This is this might make me look like a moron. This might have me fail. Of course, we're going to have a no there. So we're going to have that emotional response. And then here comes a justification. I can't do it. I got hot dog baking class on Friday or whatever. You know, it's just like we come up with this bullshit excuse after the fact and then cut it down. So how do we start to discern where our emotional justification, our fear is getting in the way of more of that knowing of like, hey, this is the path for me. This is this is where I feel drawn to. This is where I feel curious. How can we start to suss those two things apart and separate them?
2: That's, yeah, that's the million dollar question in one way. And so...
1: Let's do it. This is a million dollar podcast today. It's free.
2: <laughs> this is not a hot dog baking show. <laughs> No, that's good. All right, so um basically what I've just, what I've been looking at here you know really in, under this microscope here is when we have fear or a strong emotion usually there's a lot of emotional charge there's a lot of drama and story and narrative that we have in our head we have all these justifications and reasons why we shouldn't do that thing
1: let's let's make a scenario I think it'll be helpful if we can think like so a guy's in in the workplace and something's off all right let's what would that be where he would be at risk if he yep. spoke up so
2: yeah let's say that um, your boss is leading a meeting and you're sitting in the team meeting and all of a sudden you get this strong impulse um, that you're going in the wrong okay. direction right and you're and so, is that legit? Is that are you getting a legit download about something um, about a product development launch, whatever it might be, in your team meeting, or are you just scared that you know you and your team are behind the deadline and you don't want to you know own that?
1: And there's risk to speaking up, right? If I speak up, I might get yeah um, criticized in front of everybody or something like that.
2: Exactly, I might look like a fool in front of my team or my boss, right. and you know they see that I'm making an excuse. Or is there really a legit reason why we we shouldn't roll this out?
1: And this is why we get drained. I think is when we're in meetings and we're sitting there nodding our head and we're just like, yeah, everything's fucking great. And what's really going on is like, no, something's off, and I'm having to fight against this a lot of times. I can't just own. Look, I've you know here I, here's what I'm thinking, and that's where we tend to feel more alive. So I, I just want to name that as a. Yeah. As a cost, like why we would want to do this is if we want to feel more alive and more aligned with what we're doing, we, we give ourselves this freedom to speak up. Okay, so back into it. So, yeah.
2: So here's here's what I've found is when you can actually take a moment to quiet down. And so there might be a lot of emotional reactivity and a lot of stuff going on. And so how do you actually, you know, literally slow down and and tune in and listen? And sometimes breathing is really helpful, some kind of mindfulness practice, whatever it takes to really, sometimes getting out of the office and going for a walk around the block, which is what Steve Jobs used to do. He would actually walk around barefoot outside the Apple campus in Palo Alto, California, and literally slow down, and get away from the computer, get away from all the noise, and he would literally enter a different state, and that's where he would get these innovative ideas. And these intuitions would find him because he would change his normal thinking and his normal routine. Mm -hmm. And so I found that very powerful with the people that I work with is sometimes get them out of the office, uh, get them to even take some deep breaths and quiet down, and it literally will change our brain states. But what you notice over time is when you usually when you get an intuition, it's not very dramatic. It's just like, oh, yeah, this person's not a fit for our team.
1: What do you mean it's not dramatic? What would be a what's an example of something that would be dramatic then?
2: So dramatic might be a whole, like, once again, like, oh, I can't hire this person. I don't trust her. I don't something about how she moved in the meeting. And there's all this story that I start to create and these assumptions that I make uh-huh. that might be completely bogus based on my own biases mm-hmm. and based on my past mm-hmm. that have nothing. Maybe she reminds me of my sister, okay. the person I'm hiring. and has nothing to do with the person in front of me. Okay. Um, but there's all this emotional charge and reactivity about why she's not a fit. Okay. Right.
1: Instead and, or of, the, she's yeah. just not a fit.
2: It's like yeah, it's, it's like oh okay yeah she's not the best fit for our team. That's clear, and, uh, and and we can still you know discuss that with my colleagues and get a double check on that. Um, but at the same time, it's not a huge narrative. Or you know sometimes when I when I went to the grad school that I went to, I just had this clear sense oh go to Naropa in Colorado that's the one. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't this whole thing about it. It's just like, oh, that's it. That's my school.
1: Not a lot of justification explaining all this, uh, you know, pros, cons kind of things. Just this is it. This is the, this is where I want to go.
2: Yeah. And it's like, once we quiet down from the mental noise and the mental chatter, usually there's, you know, our, our inner system is, is, um, speaking to us. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of how do we listen in and learn it? How do we learn our intuitive language?
1: Yeah, and, it, and it's different than that part of us that's activated and seeing, like, see that person's bad, or this this is why it won't work, or creating story around it. It reminds me of guys that I've talked to that have, like, stayed in relationships way too long, and, mm-hmm. and they do this thing, like, why can't I, why can't we just, what's wrong with me, why can't I do it, and blah, 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 and then, you know, they're doing the pros and cons list, and, you know, maybe if she was this, and maybe she was that, but underneath it was just a whole thing, of, like, we're not a fit. And it was just exactly that clean and clear, and they had a hard time just understanding that instead of all of this construct that goes around it trying to bolster it and make it work or not work or who's bad and who's right or who's wrong. And it just – underneath it was just, yeah, we're not a fit, and it's hard.
2: That is, that is such a great example because I'm sure most of us can relate to that at some point in a relationship or in a career where, yeah, this isn't a fit for me anymore. And it's really that simple, but it's that confronting. Because maybe we're so invested. Maybe we're married. Maybe we have kids. Maybe we've been in the career for 15 years. And it's so confronting to have to change that up or even contemplate that. Mm-hmm.
1: What happens to us when we deny that knowing? Like when I've done that, it just starts to really take a toll on my nervous system. Like I get drained. I get aggravated. I'm just in a constant place of like I'm losing energy. It's like energy is just kind of flowing out of me and I'm, I'm getting... Is, is that... Is that true for others where when we're denying that part of ourselves, we have this kind of inexplicable, it's like, yeah, why am I just not lit up about life?
2: Yeah, I think on, on, on one end of the spectrum, it starts to have us feel flat. Mm. Like, I'm just kind of coasting through life, almost like I'm on autopilot or half asleep, mm-hmm. just going through the motions. And on the other side of the scale, it's stressful. It's super stressful to not be living my life choices, to not be feeling my passion, to doing the thing that I hate doing, Mm -hmm. and I know I need to make a change, Mm -hmm. but, you know, 10 years becomes 20 years, and I'm still doing it, and I hate my life.
1: Right. I'm on this lousy trajectory. I'm not doing anything to change it. How much longer can I tolerate this? Five years, 10 years, five months? You know, and there's that part. It's like, I want to make a change, but I don't want to change anything. I don't actually want to go through that part, but I have this knowing Something's in there. And when I talk to guys in my coaching practice, they're usually coming to me like, yeah, how do I fix my feeling about this?
2: <laughs> yeah. How can I reverse engineer my, my intuition? I want to change how I <laughs> feel about this scenario
1: instead of I want to actually show up in my life a different way or make some different choice because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, you know, uh, go through whatever danger or risk or perceived kind of awful thing might happen if I were to actually own this knowing, this intuition.
2: Yeah. You know, you know, here's one other uh, other doorway to look at also is what happened can you t- can you only listen to your intuition too much and is there a dark side to that? And so I got a great story where um, Evan Spiegel who started Snapchat, you know, he built his whole platform basically on intuiting how the youth communicate in the newer generations and exactly the kind of things they want and how they want to share with each other. And so he built, you know, a multi-billion dollar platform as we all know. But here's what happened last year at the end of 2018 is he goes to China and he gets some new inspirations for a redesign for Snapchat and he starts to implement it. But all of his engineers are saying, hey, bad idea. No, this is not popular. And he even had beta testers, his real customers were saying, no, this is terrible. Don't don't go forward with it. And he built his whole company on his intuition and his instincts. And, and he has been an expert in t- tuning out the naysayers. Which is admirable in one way, and it got him to this level. But what happened is he started to get his, his ego got involved. And he started to think, only, you know, I only I have the answers here and I know exactly what we need. And he stopped including other people in the conversation. He stopped including, you know, some of the board members and the engineers and the actual users of his product. And he got really siloed in his, you know, gut instinct. And so what happened is they went from 25 billion dollar capital valuation all the way to 5 or 5.5 billion i think it was mm-hmm. it was a huge drop um all because he got really egotistical about his gut sense so i think if you silo what you're feeling and you don't continue to check in with other people that you trust advisors in your life uh, mentors or even just listening for your, to your environment that can get a little dangerous that way too
1: this is all incredibly murky because it's subjective. And I love that you bring up this, this scenario because that's the thing we're afraid of. Well, if I listen to this voice, I might screw up everything. I might screw up everything that I care about. And so is it, is it really that we can't just listen to our intuition and our knowing because that becomes a problem? Is it a, is it a balance of both? What, what's the message that we take away from that story?
2: Yeah, I do think you need to have a balance of intuition and you know, out, outside research and data also. So I think that's the problem is so many people say only intuition or only data. Mm-hmm. And most people out there say only data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I'm saying is actually we need both. We need our inner intelligence and our outer research and intelligence also. That's how we make our best decisions.
1: Okay. It's, it sounds like we just want to bring this knowing or this, sense, this this intelligence on board, but we don't necessarily have to give it the wheel.
2: Well, yeah, here's the thing also is that intuition is alive. It's happening in the present moment. It's tuning into your environment right now in real time. And so if you make a decision and, and stick with that you know, six months later, but you're not listening to, hey, have, has anything changed? Is this still alive for me? Is this still true for me? If you're not asking that question again and again, then you, you are getting fossilized in your belief systems. Okay, That's where we get into trouble a lot of times.
1: That's that set it, forget it mode of like, Hey, I felt this six years ago. I had this strong feeling about it. And then I stopped checking in about it. I I decided six years ago that I was totally into freaking whatever. And now I I, I lost touch with that. That's no longer true. I committed to that path instead of staying committed to the the process of, of being in touch with my experience and letting that inform me as I go. I think that's a, that's a, a big challenge that we have in our lives is that we commit to the path or the vision and we lose sight of that inner guidance system, that thing that's wanting to get us, give us clues and information as we go. we just like, cool, I'm going to be, this is my career. I'm going to do this until I retire and I'm done. And it's like, no, we want that set it, forget it and done. We don't want to actually have to continue to make the effort and step into uncertainty and listen to that part of us that's saying, hold on, it's time to course correct. It's time to do this, time to do that. And
2: that's exactly what intuition is. It's a constant relationship with ourselves. It's a relationship with those around us and also the larger environment. And I think where we get so disconnected and stressed out is when we start to silo silo up and we we only tune into our old stories or influences from other people or what it's saying on the spreadsheet. Right. You know, one interesting thing, too, is data is not as certain as you think it is.
1: What do you mean? Which what, what, The objective data or, the, or the, the subjective data we're talking about?
2: Objective data, uh-huh. and so we want to put our, we want to make that the god and, and worship objective data in our current life today. Uh, they did this recent study, and they found that 25% of statisticians are um, basically being bribed and fraudulent based on certain lobbyists and parties that are trying to influence the different research out there. You know, whether it's big pharma or whatever it might be, one uh, tw- 25% of statisticians are, have actually been approached to manipulate data in service of whoever's behind, the big wheel that's behind that. So that's also interesting is what's the source of our data? And are we actually tracking that? And how do we slice the data? Mm. And that takes intuition to look at how, you know, what angle are we looking at the data through? Because even that lens is gonna have a whole different meaning.
1: Okay. All right? right? And I just heard all the flat earthers be like, see? See, (laughs) (laughs) they got a point in this one way. (laughs) All right. So what I'm getting is if we want to feel more alive, we want to feel more aligned. We want to have more freedom. We don't want to feel trapped and stuck. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look. Where are we living? As you said, just completely above our neck. We want to start to listen and own, like, hey, what is, what is my gut telling me in this scenario? And just even give it a sense of like, hey, what what are you saying? Like just make it safe mm-hmm. to even check in. Hey, I think this is bullshit. Or this this feels right to me. And then check it out with other information, but then be willing to challenge that other information too, the more objective stuff. And just like make sure this is legit. Where does this fit? And that's
2: the great thing is you can practice this all the time. And as you say, you can invite the conversation throughout your day and actually test it out. Say, "Hey, I'm getting this weird feeling about going to the park on this Sunday. Maybe we don't do it, or let's talk about that. Or do you get a sense? You know, and and you actually have a living uh, relationship. Okay, and you could test this
1: out. Okay. So what is the, let's? I'm, I want to help this guy learn to speak up more around this intuition without sounding like the state fair palm reader. Um, what's, what's a practice he's in a meeting or he's in a scenario and he's getting a gut feeling that something's off, but he's, he wants to all, he's thinking, I got to cover my ass. I can't speak up, but I want to, I want to challenge him to, 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 speak up some more. So what's a relationship skill? What's a, what's a, how could he speak up in those scenarios and be constructive without saying it's gotta be this way or whatever that thing he, he mm-hmm. might be you know fantasizing it, it's going to be
2: yeah it's, it's here's my analogy. when you're learning a new instrument, you don't get up on stage right away and play.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you first practice okay <clears throat> you learn the scales. And so what I would say is, you know first just even taking note of okay, what is my inner signals and cues t- telling me? How do I start to first recognize that in a meeting? And so if, if something if I have an alarm system going off about something that my boss is saying or whatever is happening in the room, how do i first notice that and then a the next step might be checking in with a colleague say hey did that feel a little weird to you when they talked about you know delaying the launch this way or when this thing happened over here or when so and so spoke up and so you're actually testing that out with other people's central nervous systems also okay and you're you're tuning in together so i think that's a great step to start to build that confidence of okay i am onto something okay cuz i'm sure trip we both know people ourselves included where some people just have a really good gift and a knack because they've developed this craft. They've developed a trust with their own senses and what they're picking up on.
1: Mm-hmm. And it also sounds like I love that you check it out too. Is it's a way for us to say, "Am I just? Do I just have a problem with this person? They remind me of my sister or whatever, and I'm I'm just transferring this crazy stuff onto this person, and I'm not seeing them for who they are." That's a way to check it out too. That I'm like, "Am I being emotional or am I being intuitive?" I think that's a great. Um, I don't want to make emotional a bad thing, but it's like, am I just getting lost in my own emotional world and where I'm getting triggered and activated or I'm actually seeing what's happening here? And, and so we want to check that out. That would be the practice is just say, what's the thing I'm getting? What's the information I think I'm getting? And then go check that out with somebody you trust and just see if they get it too. And just we just want to practice that checking out part.
2: Practice the checking out part. And then <clears throat> the more that you build a relationship with that sense and you feel more confident with that, I would pull aside that person one-on-one and that's probably a, a next step then is, hey, how do I talk to my boss one-on-one about that situation or whoever that was in the room that spoke up and, and then have a conversation about that. And and that's going to be another step where you can have that offline and just find out mm-hmm. and, you know, and get to get to have that conversation.
1: I think it would also be good not to make it about what's right or what's wrong, or just to speak to your concern. Hey, we, we brought up XYZ in the meeting I've got a concern about this, what are your thoughts on this concern, rather than I need to build a case on who's right, who's wrong. That puts people on their heels and gets them defensive, and they stop listening to one another, I've found.
2: Exactly. And you could just keep it really simple around, you know, I just have this uh, uh, other sense— when you were talking about that? And are you open to that, Mm -hmm. to hearing about that? Mm -hmm. So you can even ask, you can even ask that in the space there. And what I found is really good companies or great cultures that, that include a sense of belonging where no one's ideas are crazy, especially in in, innovative brainstorming sessions where you can throw anything against the wall. And and really, I love when uh, managers can really facilitate that kind of space where people have permission to share their gut. They have permission to share off the wall ideas that are outside the box. And to me, those kind of cultures are the ones that are winning right now as far as innovation.
1: That's freedom, right? You have the freedom to screw up. You have the freedom to experiment. You have the freedom to try out things instead of I've got to get it right no matter what. I remember I've worked with so many guys that are in this position. They don't know if they're going to get fired day to day. They've been working at companies for years. And there's this thing of like, any day I could get a pink slip. There's this fear. And so they don't take chances. And I think Mm. they don't bring their best to the company, right? They're just Trying to stay in the box, not rock the boat, you know, and then, but that part, that intuition that might have an insight into, hey, there's an opportunity here. We're missing something. We could make it bigger, better, greater. That doesn't get brought into the room because they're just playing defense instead of going for what they want and really being able to serve.
2: My life is so much more fulfilling when I can trust in what I feel and act on it. And I've learned over time that's those are the best outcomes. Those are the most fulfilling outcomes. When I'm really listening to that inner intelligence, I'm still paying attention to what's happening outside of me too and asking other people's feedback when I need to. But I'm, I'm not overriding that. I'm not discounting my inner intelligence that way. And that's when I live a more fulfilled, integrated life. And I've just seen that over time. And I've seen that with almost everybody I've worked with once they start including that in, in their choices.
1: Yeah, I there was a point where I was it was really early on in my coaching career and I'd done all these trainings and man, I was gonna be a good coach, right? And I had these voices in my head about how to be a good coach and all of these expectations and things that I should be doing. And as I was sitting there with clients, all I heard were my, my criticisms and you know, examining my performance and it was miserable. I freaking hated coaching. I was like, that's it, I'm quitting. And I had a handful of clients at the time. I was like, I'm done. Well, I tell you what, if, if I'm gonna, if I'm going to be done, I'm going to get fired. Like I'm going to, I'm going to just do my thing in and in what I think will serve them. Not, not just go in there and try to be a jackass. Right. And so I was, I'm just going to let the reins go and just do what I think will serve them. And essentially what you're describing is what I did it Was I just started mm-hmm. listening to, Hey, I've got a knowing here of what would actually serve this person instead of, let me go through my flow chart and you know these lists in my head of what I think I should do and actually integrate this knowledge and then just serve this person and that's when it became fun everything that you just described about where you experienced that flow and the enjoyment of things got a lot more fun when i was willing to be fired and just serve
2: that's such a good example where we're going to have our our mental boxes and our flow charts and our our methodologies that we've learned and these are great but it's, it might not be what the moment calls for, right? And so that's where intuition is so powerful is just tuning into another person in front of you and feeling what needs to happen next. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually my definition. It's it's an embodied knowing. So it's your whole body, not just your head. An embodied knowing that comes from listening to what wants to happen next. Mm-hmm. And that allows life to happen. That allows that flow state. Right. That's where teams are functioning at their best is when there's that kind of intuitive collective. Yes right? And that's where it gets really exciting. You've, whether you're on a sports team or the Navy SEALs, you know, they've just spent about $4 million on some research on intuitive decision-making with Navy SEALs right now. Um, because they're getting that when their team operates as in that hive mind, when, they're, when their egos are not getting in their way, when their rational, logical arr, 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 is not getting in the way, mm-hmm. it's amazing the kind of space they open up into. Same with a sports team, like the Golden State Warriors, when they're really flowing, there's not the ego of the hero ball, right? And so you get a whole team and it's impossible to fight against the whole team because they're so united that way. And so that's where it gets fun, man. It's just to be able to trust yourself, to be able to find that flow in your relationships or with your environment, with life, with, I know you go surfing all the time to, I'm sure there's times where you fight the waves and times where you're totally with it. Is that true?
1: Get out of your own way, right? Like it's just, there's times where it's like we've got the, whatever that inner critic is telling us to do or how we should be performing or everything and and just learn how to put that aside. And and then we access a, a, something way more powerful than that. I, I think it's more fear-based or more identity-based and protecting who we think we should be and how we, sh- how we should look. And I just find way more enjoyment in that thing when I'm not thinking, the less I'm thinking about myself, the more fun I'm having, period. Amen. So the book is Intuition, Use Your Gut Instincts to Make Smart Business Decisions. Uh, what's a website that we can go to where we can learn more about you and your, your uh, consulting work?
2: Yeah, so you can find Decisive Intuition wherever they sell books near you, all the usual suspects, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. And then, um, so my business, Invisible Edge, you can go to invisible-edgellc.com. And we're actually training intuitive skills and intelligence for leaders and teams in the corporate space and also the entrepreneurial startup space.
1: Okay. Sounds like a huge advantage to give people instead of just a bunch of robots.
2: That's more the world I
1: prefer. (laughs) Rick, thank you so much, man. Hey, great to be with you. If these interviews are helping you, then please visit the new man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.